Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited time. You just you're you're busy, man. Two projects that <laughs> just came out recently. You know, uh, you got Amazon Freebies High School, HBO's Avenue Five. You you're all over the place, all over the map. I've been telling people. <laughs> I have no complaints. No, it's um. Someone asked me recently about like working in this era of television, and it's it continues to be the golden era of television in terms of quality, but also just there's a lot of work to go around. I feel very, very fortunate um, to have the opportunity to be, to be working during this time. I kind of got into the business right at the uh, sort of onset of of the golden age um, with streaming and cable, but it definitely perpetuated and and allowed me to have some opportunities that I'm really grateful for. Well, yeah, it's great because you have network TV, you have streaming, like, so you could do, a streaming show, bang all at once, and then go work on something else and come back right to that. Yeah, and they've you know they've sort of altered you know adapted the rules so to allow actors to have that flexibility, which is really great and how it should because you know you can do a series now. It's almost like doing a movie back in the day, um, where you can kind of go ahead and do that and then go do another you know, limited series or or guest on something. So it's um, yeah, no, there's a lot of not only a lot of work to go around, but a lot of good work in all genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to jump more in a little bit about in your for your latest projects, but I was trying to do some research on you. Born in Indiana. What made you get into the actor? When you hear Indiana, you're hearing basketball. Well, yeah, no, and I, I just brought my uh, my my boys back uh, to my hometown, Mishawaka, Indiana, which is near South Bend, uh, for the first time. So they just saw my hometown, and that was a really lovely trip. We uh, took them to their first Notre Dame football game. Uh, so, yeah, for me, I was northern Indiana, so it was, it was uh, Notre Dame football and, um, and, of course, basketball. Hoosiers was a big was a big deal in our house when that movie, uh, when that movie came out, and they had a little – uh, one of their premieres was out in South Bend with Gene Hackman, and that was a really big deal. And and um, we all went to those high school basketball games, either played or went to them. And mm. it is a it is a great state for basketball. So growing up in Indiana, what made you get into acting? What pushed you to it? I um, was always drawn to movies and television. My my dad had a, a pretty you know he wasn't a movie buff, but he just loved movies and he collected uh, movies on VHS. I remember uh, him renting VCRs from the library. Uh, you could do that back in the day. And renting oh, yeah, VHS. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal when he would come home with that clunky VCR and and Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever he might bring home. And so I and then my my dad or my mom's dad also had like a pretty good uh, collection of older movies. And I think it probably started there. And my brother and I just pretending we were in the movies and making movies on our own from an early age. And then when the 90s um, independent filmmaker uh sort of movement started with Tarantino and Rob Rodriguez and Jane Campion and all you know that whole movement in the 90s really inspired me to to come out to LA and when I first got to LA I was you know I thought I'd be the next video store director um you know but uh I I pivoted to acting and um and like I said have been able to kind of timed it (laughs) not necessarily Mm -hmm. on purpose but timed it as the the time when television really was taking off Mm -hmm. Who do you look? Who do you uh, did you look up to with the in the industry when you started out? Anybody like you try to model yourself under, like not model, but like study, watching their film or yeah. I think when I 
when I started out, I don't think I, because I was sort of more on a, on a writing directing track, it was more that, and it was like sort of the big, you know, all the big names. Um, you know, I, I remember as a kid watching a lot of Jimmy Stewart and, and Jack Lemmon. And then in terms of our age, we were watching, you know, Bill Murray and, and John mm -hmm. Candy and Steve Martin was my big favorite. I, I would say Steve Martin's been the most consistent person ever since I was five watching uh, all the way now. Uh, and through for 40 years now, enjoying his work um, from a kid as a teenager, as a 20 something and as a 40 something now, I Steve Martin's always been been the main guy for me. And I think when I started acting with comedy it was coming out right when or uh, I was kind of coming up a little bit when Ricky Gervais, when Ricky Gervais, The Office came out and really started um, I have a little leaf blower. Let me know if that leaf blower gets in the way of anything um, and I might be able to move for you. Um, but yeah, when Ricky Gervais, uh, The Office came out and he sort of uh, changed the style of comedy a little bit mm. and, uh, into a kind of grounded uh, absurdity and and uh, almost more, more realistic comedy, I, I guess you might be able to call it. Uh, I think a lot of us really, you know, were attracted to that style of comedy. Mm. I'm going to put you on the spot because, you know, we're probably around the same age. I grew up in the 80s and 90s too. Steve Martin was one of my favorites. Favorite Steve Martin movie, I got to know. Oh, geez. I mean, I love his first three, The Jerk, Man with Two Brains, and uh, The Lonely Guy. Um, and there's close to his first. He had a spring, then he had that Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. He had an era mm. right in the late 70s, early 80s that I think he just exploded onto the screen. It's hard to beat The Jerk. Right. Um, but some of his, uh, but then I, you know, I just showed my boys a little bit of Roxanne, which really holds up very well um and uh all the way up to to parenthood and la story in the early 90s so you know if i had to pick one i'd, I'd go with the with the jerk i guess but uh how about you my blue heaven oh my blue heaven yeah when he plays the monster right. <laughs> with rick moranis right yeah yeah, yeah yeah my wife and i love that movie for some reason we, we could always one, we yeah. could always play it in the background yeah 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 so like you've done a lot of comedy like how did you like get into that part of uh in your career not sure why that was what first um I was drawn to. You know, I I, I was enough of a appreciator of comedy and I guess just sort of had a natural sense of humor or, or I was just funny enough, I guess, that when mm -hmm. I started acting, I was understanding, you know comedy more than the other i think I, I think even early on in acting class and everything it was the comedies that i just felt a little more comfortable with and um and then that's sort of what my agents at the beginning and what i would sort of be doing commercial wise really too i think I, ha I had a big start in in commercials and was able to do dozens of commercials at the beginning of my career and those are often comedy um and um you know they're quick and they're you know you you have to sort of make a choice. You need to have like a funny choice set up and a funny thing you're going to do that makes an impact. And so I think that was a pretty good training ground for me, actually, though, to um, those auditions and those jobs. Mm -hmm. You, Like I said, you've been last 20 years, you've been busy. Like what's been like, you think your favorite project you've worked on? They all feel, I, I appreciate them all. I, you know, you never get tired of, working in terms of like someone actually wanting you to work and you know appreciating what you're doing and having the opportunity it's a very hard job to to get into and it's a very hard job to sustain and so I, i'm always appreciative 
and the, these last two have been special for very big reasons. I mean, Avenue Five was very important to me because I, I was a big fan of Armando Iannucci, and I knew I was going to be working with an ensemble of uh, of comedic actors that I've been watching for a while and was a big fan of. And we'd be doing it in London in this way that Armando works, where you know how you have these really long, fun rehearsals that he and the writers kind of draw from. You know, they write the script and then we do these rehearsals and then they kind of draw from that. And it's just a very, very fun rewarding experience and that was um that was neat and we were all in london together and really special and then high school was also I, I really count as one of my favorite things i've ever done for a few reasons i'm a huge i'm obsessed with the 90s because that's sort of like my teenage and early 20 years right. i i was I'm, I'm very uh i was into that indie rock music into the indie movies and and the whole sensibility of the 90s was something that i, I always connected with and i've always uh, brought with me and so being able to live in that world and um and do it and and see it from the perspective of these two girls and of tegan and sarah which was a story that i was not aware of um and it's really lovingly done, very grounded, done. The music's amazing. The whole atmosphere of the show is something I've really never been a part of. And I, it's one of those experiences I didn't have to do much in terms of putting myself in the situations because it was all sort of set for me. And I could just sort of react and be with, uh, you know, watching these girls come of age in front of me um, and trying to be there for them and being in, in terms of the character being, you know, baffled by it but loving them so much he wants to try to understand it and being of his time and then sort of you know helping him to evolve past some backwards views he has uh, really really it's an important story i think we didn't you know we were pretty progressive in the 90s to a certain extent but there was a lot of pieces we didn't uh you know we we sort of stopped short of of uh, nailing it. and that this younger generation the new storytellers that are, are finally getting a chance to tell their stories are now opening it up and especially with an lgbt uh, plus story where you know, I wish we would have had a, a little more of these in the 90s. We were getting them. We were starting mm -hmm. to, but not nearly as much as we are are now. And, and looking back at that era through those eyes is really important. I felt really I felt really honored to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you, had, you have uh, two young kids also. Uh, I have a daughter. She's seven years old. And I always joke around with her in front of my wife. I always tell her how, like, I always try to tell her the 90s were a simpler time for us. <laughs> So much better. We didn't. It felt like we didn't have to worry as much as we do now. Yeah, yeah. It's funny looking back. You know, it's every every. You know, in the nineties, our parents were saying that the fifties were a, were right. a, a simpler time. You know, I think every era says that, and I think I look back at the nineties, and it's both true and false. I mean, it's it's there's incredible um, complexity to the nineties. I mean, the nineties was very interesting because it was the beginning of everything, sort of splitting pop culture wise. You didn't just yeah. have mainstream stuff you had mainstream and then you had sort of sub mainstream and then really really you know deep dive kind of stuff and the genres and movies and music and everything kind of splintered and and i, I think what i think is really a, a positive thing um like i said i don't think we went far enough but every generation you kind of have that thought that the more you dig into it especially with the uh, high school has been really interesting yeah. because again i i you know i look back to the 90s almost like we were like the second wave of the counterculture of the 60s that got it more right than they did mm. and i look back as like no there was still you know obviously we still have a long ways to go and, and the 90s failed in some respects just much like the 60s had <laughs> yeah and it's funny because i always thought we'll be driving around and i'll be seeing like an old blockbuster and i'd be like i try to explain to her you know like, you know it's easy we can, right now you can go on tv just watch whatever you want i was like your father i said would be there friday or saturday night waiting for somebody to drop that dvd <laughs> in there yeah. so we could grab it next just so we can go watch it I was, I worked in those video stores. I was, I was, uh, you know, 
calling you in the store saying, hey, Seven came back in if you want to see it. Yeah, I, uh, I love those jobs. I look very fondly back at those jobs. And yeah, the, yeah, there is something. And so they, every generation kind of goes back to that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids love vinyl records. And we did actually in the 90s too. We didn't need vinyl, mm -hmm. but we started loving them. And I think, you know, there's a show coming out about the video store experience. Um, and um, I've written a movie about, you know, my sort of video store experience. I think that that video store is interesting how it has it is maintained a place in everyone's imagination, because I think it was one of the last things that to all of us that was, um, you know, that tactile experience of actually going to a place, lifting that DVD or that VHS up, mm -hmm. seeing the poster. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Now, your role as Patrick now in the 90s, like, did you, like, try to go back to thinking, like, how your parents were to try to, like, kind of play this character? You know, like, how did you approach it? I mean, yeah, I did all the things actors do to sort of remember my own parent, you know, think of my own parenting style, my parents' parenting style, yeah. and then it was on the page. Um, it, a lot of it, and so much of it was on the page, and so much of it was articulated in in the, the character that, that Clea and Laura drew up and that was based on a real character in Tegan and Sarah's life, but that's been that they took poetic license with for this. And I really let that guide me the, the most because what was interesting to him, to me was he was, uh, he is the, the anchor of the, the family a little bit mm. and he is a very reliable and ultimately a warm and loving you know, presence in their life. But he's also kind of a, he's got some, especially when he realizes or begins to realize that they're gay, that he's, you know, he's not necessarily ready for that himself. He hasn't evolved to that, but he's going to, you know, he's going to learn. And I think a lot of men in the nineties were probably going, you know, homophobia was still, and still is now, but, you know, even more so then. And I mm -hmm. think um, his evolution, his dealing with that in a really grounded way, that's realistic to that character and his experience at that time, uh, was one of the things that drew me drew me to him is like having that how that character in 1996 1997 who um, is going to go on that journey um, because everyone you know could be on the same or could be on different pages with that even today but especially in the 90s people were on different pages in terms of catching up with uh, that um, acceptance the show's based off a memoir too like did you go back and try to read it just to get a little more grasp on the character Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's really part of the whole experience, and 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 why it was so it's kind of easy to to get into the the book mm -hmm. is incredibly good and an incredibly easy read and incredibly raw and um, emotional and intimate. Um, they don't spare themselves most of all, Tegan and Sarah. One thing I like the most is it starts off really, and the show does this wonderfully too. We don't see, um, you know, they're, they're kind of being brats and they're, and they're, and they're, they're, they're sort of everything. They're, they're bratty to each other. They're bratty to their parents. Um, and, uh, and then they, we see that that's not the only color that they have. And I, I really love that. They weren't trying to paint, um, something that was, you know, the, the too saccharine, you know, it was, uh, all the colors were there and I really appreciated that about it. And it was just a very tender story. And when the scripts started coming in, the scripts were really, again, same kind of quality, like complex right. and tender and uh, humane. And um, it just, I, I was taken with it almost immediately. And you're also the stepdad on the show. Like how different is that compared to like, you know, you're not in real life. That was some of the bigger questions I had actually, because that, you know, the, the, the voice of this character and, and his general way was, was, very well articulated, but my the, what the, what I felt might be the most foreign to me was um, 
being a stepfather. So I did, you know, talk to a lot of friends and, and people associated with the show that have been in that position. And, um, so that was interesting. Yeah. And it's funny. People would often say, Oh, you're playing a stepdad, you know, is an evil stepdad. There's a default setting to it you know, so for step parents. It is like right. awful. Like to have that be the default. I think, especially now, I think we're seeing a world where that's not going to be the default setting. I think mid 20th century, that was a, mm. a very vogue thing to <laughs> assume um, or put out in pop culture. But I think it's a, uh, uh, we're, we're much more, uh, I think we're, we've evolved in our sense of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colby now plays your wife on the show. Like, how do uh, how do you describe that relationship in chemistry? I mean, that was uh, that also came together very natural naturally. Um, you know, she's a complete pro. I mean, you know, I think we we really bonded over uh, you know Rayleigh and Season, who play Tegan and Sarah, and mm-hmm. you know, and became sort of parental <laughs> a little bit in our and so that bonded us a little bit. We really we really started to we really were taken with these girls and 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 what they were um you know they a year before they got this or a year before this show premiered they were nowhere near the hollywood world they were nowhere near sets and and this is their first experience not only acting but making music together and um watching that was something that that kobe and i really liked (laughs) to 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 experience together and 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 shared a lot of smiles just at at what how lucky we felt to be part of this project and see these these girls kind of grow as people and artists and and find their way through it so we've been we're a few episodes in now like has that been any worry do they have any idea for like another season what's the what's the word on it i don't know the official word on another season there's plenty of um there's been plenty of discussion you know creatively about what would happen and Mm. And all of us obviously want the, to do more seasons of this. Um, it's uh, it's definitely connecting with uh, both the Gen Xers that that experienced it and the the millennial and Gen Z generations that look back in the '90s uh, nostalgically, even though they weren't there as much. You know, it's like in yeah. the '90s, a big thing that we did in the '90s is we looked back, or at least. My friends, I did a big, big part of culture. We look back on the seventies and sixties really romantically, you know. And I think uh, that's why I, I dressed like I was in the seventies when I was in the nineties. Um, I shopped at vintage clothing stores. And I think that's what's happening. So it's been really, really neat to see the connection that the that the different generations are having with the show. So I'm assuming that that uh, you know, and hoping Amazon is seeing that too. Freebie has been a great place. They've been so mm-hmm. supportive. The marketing and publicity teams did an amazing job of getting this out in front of people, and the, the creative teams at Amazon and the development team um, shepherded this show with Clea and Laura so wonderfully. And, and I, so I think a, a lot of people over there love this show, and I think great effort is going to be made to to help us continue to to tell these stories. What's your favorite uh, '90s moment now on the show? '90s moment on the show? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing was in one of the early trailers, uh, Tegan and Sarah did a great version of Smashing Pumpkins' song today, and so mm-hmm. I, I was not expecting that. Um, and there's a there's a there's a music cue in episode one or two, I forget that was is a Smashing Pumpkins song as well, uh, and as well as a Green Day song that really got me. It was really the music when I watched this. You know, you you obviously don't have music on set when you're when you're filming it, so um, I knew in general where Cleo was going to land with the the musical choices, but really hearing in that and then seeing it with the way she shot, um, 
And uh, the whole thing has a, a real echo of the 90s um, films and music that I really loved. And, and that, that, that got me. I actually teared up a little bit a few times watching that. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get more because, like I said, the 90s is one of the best, right? Yeah, it is. I know. We, we, we got you know, <laughs> Gen Xers. We like, you know. Yeah, too bad. We're a pretty cool generation. Yeah. So you also recently uh, had an Avenue Five that just returned out. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Avenue Five was you. Know, we did season one uh, before anyone knew that uh, the world was headed into a pandemic, and that was yeah. in 2019. Um, this wonderful experience, and then we had to wait two and a half years almost before we were even able to shoot season two. We, there was mm-hmm. a couple attempts to get it up and going, but it was just too COVIDy and. Uh, so going back to that was there was a, a, a just a maelstrom of emotions <laughs> going through us all because we had we had not seen each other in a while. We were all looking forward to it. It was post COVID, and we were like, "What is going to happen to this ship?" So that vibe going into it was really exciting. We didn't quite know what what um, Armando and his writing staff would have mm-hmm. in mind, and I think what he really leaned into even more is uh, kind of mirroring uh, mirroring what's going on in in our society right now via these these this crazy cast of characters and it was something that sort of started bubbling up in season one um but he really started leaning into it in these very fascinating ways at this time in terms of you know the how misinformation is is spread so easily and the sort of rise of cultish tyranny in governments and and uh what people are willing to believe uh, you know it's 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 a little more front and uh, front and center in this one, while also just being this madcap experience with these uh, crazy mm-hmm. people in space. That's awesome. Hi, what's next for you now? What's uh, is there anything you're allowed to tell us about that you're working on coming out? I, I mean, I'm developing a couple uh, projects, um, and um, and hopefully those will all have answers on those uh, pretty soon. That's always like a process that um, you know you want to keep a few balls in the air because you know one is inevitably going to take forever and hopefully another one might go a little quicker. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of playing that game right now. And then really um, looking forward to news that we're going to get another shot at, at you know, hopefully Avenue five season three and, and high school season two. I, I, I'd uh, I'd be very content if those, that uh, that's the outlook for my, uh, my coming year. And then um, there's always other, other things on the horizon to be, mm-hmm. to be hustling after. I was told to ask you one last question. Uh, sitcom world do you think you ever want to see you on that again in that world oh yeah i mean i think i uh i am in no position uh as i think 95 percent of actors are to rule out anything like i said earlier we're in a great era of all genres um you know we tend to talk about the breaking bads and mad men's and game of thrones and stuff like that over this period but we've also got 30 rocks and right uh blackish and abbott elementary you know that it's been a a great era for comedy as well and on the network side um there's always some good stuff coming up and i think the actually the push and pull of cable and streaming with network has made everybody better and so you know brooklyn 99 (laughs) i mean that's one of the great experiences of my life doing that and and uh that was one of those great network shows so those are always those are always um uh, hopefully we'll yeah, I'd be blessed to, to have those right. continue to have those opportunities. That's awesome. Kyle, uh, how can the listeners and the viewers now find you on social media? Uh, as of now, I, I'm still on Twitter. I don't know if that'll continue, but I'm at Kyle Bornemer on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Kyle Bornemer 2075. Right. Kyle, this was uh, great. Thank you for giving me a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. Great. Anytime. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.
wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Thank you.